This is a Broad Pods production. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Good radio. Here for more. Oh my goodness, Nelly! It's felt like a bit of a runaway train today. I've got to say, this show, but it's so delightful. No, I I love every every. Oh you just get so excited. Let's welcome another amazing woman another. to talk about a book that um, it covers, uh, I guess, the impact of COVID on women in very specific ways. And it's been brought out by the online publication and women's network, Future Women. And the founder of Future Women joins us now, Helen McCabe. Hi there, Helen. Hi, Helen. Hi. Can I just quickly say to you, that was such a great interview. I was glad to be able to sit backstage and just hear Ellie Cole. Yeah, amazing. Isn't she extraordinary? A woman like that, you know, grasp all the opportunities in life that have been made available to her. Really impressive. It's true. Um, Hey, congratulations on this book. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a snapshot of this time in history, I guess you'd say. Um, and it tells the stories of so many different women. I mean, it's written by three brilliant women, um, but it also, you know, it shares the stories of multiple different women's experiences. What's your intention for this book? Well, our intention was to be hopeful, was to mm. give um, women uh, what life post the pandemic would look like. Now, you've got to remember we broke this last year very say that very tentatively because the concept of years and weeks and days is is really starting to be very blurry but we were writing it through the middle of the pandemic last year and there was a tale of two cities Melbourne and Sydney and my co-editor in this Jamila Rizvi was in Melbourne and I was in Sydney where you know there were different rules uh, a different mindset um, and of course not dealing with the 800 deaths that ultimately occurred in Victoria. So it, it, it captures that a little bit. You'll, you'll see that the women living in Melbourne versus the women living in Sydney had different experiences. Um, our idea was to give the good and the bad, what we learned from that experience and where we can take it. Because what we saw when COVID hit was it hit women harder and faster. So our primary concern was that all the gains of equality were going to be lost. Um, we were the first to lose work. We were the, the were most likely um, to give up work. 
uh, under the pressure of obligations at home and the most likely to pick up extra domestic care responsibilities. And then that feeds into a whole bunch of other uh, challenges, mental health challenges, physical health challenges, uh, and I guess the consideration of our families. Um, and that's if we lived in a household where everyone sort of got along, uh, let alone if you were in a relationship that was struggling or, dare I say, violent. So our aim was to kind of pick up the good um, from that and say, what can we as a society and as an individual take from this that will be positive? And there are a whole bunch of things that occurred to us. Um, but it's not lost on us that this book has come out when Sydney is now in its 12th week, um, struggling with the concept of opening up and what that means for our hospitals. Uh, and also Victoria is still, I mean, I, I don't know how the Victorian um, public is coping right now. It was so traumatic last time around and to be in your sixth lockup, um, you know, I'm, I really fear for my Melbourne colleagues and for, and for, and for friends and family down there. We're not coping. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure. I, I suspected you were there, but I wasn't 100% sure you were both yeah. in Victoria. Are you sorry? You look like worried. you're smiling, though. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we're, let's, you know what coping's like. You're coping and not coping yeah. at the same time. It's really interesting, yeah. you know, reading, yeah, in, in terms of multiple themes, can I just pick one thing up, yeah. which is... Yeah. I guess for those of us, and I'm one of them, who identify as feminist and who believe, you know, committed their life's work to gender equality, one of the things I find really interesting in my experience of the pandemic, because I've also been a carer and am a carer of kids with disabilities and I know a lot of um, carers, a lot of the things that um, women are experiencing during COVID were already being experienced by a range of women who perhaps didn't have the voice um, within our movement or in the media or in the mainstream. You know, when I hear of things being opened back up, for example, and we'll be going back to school and we'll be going to dinners, I hear the carers I know going, well, I won't be, you know, and a range of other, you know, I'm talking about intersectionality, which I'm sure you're well aware of. Do you have thoughts on that? Do you think we'll learn as a movement from this? Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I have about 15 thoughts all at once. So um, and when my brain does that, it paralyzes because I do think this has blown wide open many of the things that we inherently believe to be true. So I think there is a component about us as individuals that we're all just coping, right? So yes, we might live in nice apartments and I might be in um, Potts Point and I might not have two children at home, but everybody has their own individual challenges through this period and so we do see it a little bit through our prism and we do whatever we can to cope to your point um and i certainly know from the women that we interviewed out of melbourne they all really didn't talk about it at the time they really only opened up about the challenges post you know being able to resume their lives um in terms of the issues of intersectionality um we do go into that to some extent. I completely am absorbed by the conversation before about disabilities. And I think the particular chapter that looks at some of that is the chapter on work by Jane Gilmore. Now, Jane um, is a writer um, and highly educated, and she found herself as a single mum uh, 
on the on the verge of homelessness right so it, we all know that story that's a very quick slide that women at a certain age and i'm going to say 50 can find themselves in uh, and she certainly explores the various components of uh, poverty including um, homelessness whereby during the lockdown Victoria swept all the homeless people mm. off the street and stuck them in stuck them in gave them hotel rooms mm. and you had this moment in time where you didn't have any homelessness right so and and there was there was a moment in time where people who were traditionally worse off um, in the day-to-day life suddenly had never been better off. Now, what we what we raise as a possibility is, is there any of that that we can, mm. we can take? Mm. Um, and I'm just going to put on a slightly economic rationalist hat on and say no government is ever going to take all of it, um, but are there bits of it that we can learn from? The other bit that I think was interesting in Love is by Santilla is... Single people, they've never noticed before. No one even thinks about them, right? They're like every federal budget that comes out, no tax breaks for single people. They're the ones that have to keep keep the tax rise go up or they get a, get a, get a pay rise. You know, um, their income is um, subjected to additional taxes. So no one cares. But in this lockdown, in the first lockdown, eventually, and in this lockdown, people went, oh, hang on, there are all these people living on their own. And... Who, who's looking after them and who's caring? And then we developed the single bubble, right? But it took weeks and months for anyone to, any politician to go, what are we doing about single women yeah. in yeah. their apartments, right? So it did expose a lot of those things, which the question we're saying is let's not forget. Um, no. And if we keep yeah. going into lockdowns, I don't suppose we're going to be in a hurry. We're going to, not going to be able to forget easily. Yeah. I, I found there were so many things in the book like it's very very well researched and there's so many facts and and you know statistics around where we are now and challenges for where we can go and I really love that it's basically painting a picture of let's see what the world can look like right but I felt like it was singing to the choir when I'm reading it right because I I know (laughs) that I believe it yeah. and I want all those changes. Yeah. So who do yeah. you want to read this book? If you could wave a magic <laughs> wand and put it in someone's hand, who would it be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the interesting you should say that. Um, look, you know, J- Jam and I um, have been working in Future Women together since 2018. I met her in about 2015 and knew that I would want to work with her straight away. Um, and we... We literally debate this stuff every day. In fact, we have a midday session this afternoon where we're going to deb- we're going to debate um, a whole bunch of issues, and we often, you know, quite often agree- disagree because I do have a strong view that we have to take people with us on this journey. We have to bring people. We can't keep bashing. I'm just going to use Scott Morrison as an example over the head and telling him everything he does is terrible because um, if we keep we keep attacking even when they're trying to do a Women's Economic Summit and trying to throw money at um, the problem of economic security and, you know, they have committed a lot of resources and have put a lot of ministers in it. But it's very easy for us to criticise. So I guess what I what I want to do is, is provoke a debate um, and this is what I'm going to speak for myself, not Jam. Um, I want to provoke debate and I want people to think about what could be done differently and... Um, 
in terms of public policy, but in, but we're also saying take individual responsibility. Um, think about how you spend your time. Think about your own consumption habits. Think about your own concept of um, success uh, and materialistic, you know, uh, endeavors that we've all been subjected to, and now we know we don't need any more jackets or shoes or handbags because we can get by, um, and we don't need. Uh, uh, a lot of the markers of success and power that we've come to, I guess, um, covered. So there's two there's two things to it. One, we would like uh, government of the of any persuasion to think about what social policy priorities would make a real difference, um, but also for individuals to think about mm. their role in that and and how to bring everybody on board. Uh, to a shared outcome. Um, I'm one that's concerned about the polarising debate and the constant knocking and the constant assumptions that if you come from one side of the debate and I really don't care whether it's the left or the right, you're either good or bad um, because you see that in all media, in both those sort of media um, ends of the spectrum these days and try to have a balanced and grown-up debate. Does that answer your question, Jo? Because I've, yeah, I've answered no, it for about it three different <laughs> Yeah. No, it does, and I guess that there isn't really. It's one of my an favourite topics. Like, like there's, yeah. but there's there's no easy answer at all. But what I will say is, um, read the book because it's it's so well researched and it presents so many different ideas and experiences, and it really does, I guess, um, uh, encapsulate how many different experiences women have had out there. Um, and also do go to Future Women because I love it, and it's a it's a really unifying platform. For women and similarly to broad radio it's all about the advancement of women and and, uh, and really fighting for gender equality and um, you know providing opportunities for women to uh, I don't know um, reach their full potential I would say and Joe and Helen yeah, we, I, sorry can I just yeah. add one yeah. thing yeah because I mentioned the choir which I'm really fascinated mm. by particularly given we just talked to Ali I think mm. the choir needs some work you know, so I'm I'm actually okay with preaching to the choir. I think we do need to, to speak to policymakers and people outside the broader gender equality movement, but our internal work isn't done either. And I guess that's what I was trying to say in terms of yeah. when we move forward, when we're talking about future women, when we do come out of this pandemic, I want the feminist movement more generally to be more cognizant of carers, of Indigenous women, of women with disabilities, of, a, of single women, of a whole range of women. And yeah. I think we have been guilty of, of having a kind of prototypical woman that doesn't mm. represent enough people. Mm. So the choir needs some chatting too. Yeah, look, yeah. I, look that you make fascinating points and we... Um, we deliberately did that in the um, yes. voices in this, yeah. um, yes. which I'm sure you were cognizant of. Um, and our aim, our aim is to be not tokenistic in this either. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. just to go on a slight tangent. So often when we we get that we we try to we we do it in a tokenistic way. We do. Um, there's there's one, and that's something that we constantly battle uh, as well at FW to bring people along but not do it in a non-tokenistic way and to be really mindful about how we um, represent the views of women and all views of women because there isn't just one woman, as we know. Um, yeah. And But anyway, it's never, our work's never done. It's, no, it's, it's true. Um, but we are, yeah, but, we but we're having a lot of fun. Um, 
Thank you so much for coming on Broad Radio and uh, thank you for the book. I really, I really got a lot out of it. I think it's amazing. So you you have a great day. See you. Thanks. Thanks. And we'll have more Broad Radio after this. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Broad Radio. Talking inspo we love, info we need, and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, <laughs> we've got you covered. Broad Radio. Here for more. Well, Nally, we've covered off women and COVID, but as they say, you are only as happy as your unhappiest child. So we've felt for a long time that it's time we start talking about how we, if we have children in our lives, how we can help them be happier and healthier. And so to talk about that, we're really pleased to welcome to the show CEO of Your Town and Kids Helpline, Tracy Adams. Hi there, Tracy. Good morning, and it's been great to listen so far. Fantastic interviews. Oh, well, thank you, and thank you for your patience as well. I know you've been waiting in the wings there. Um, sorry. I get carried away. <laughs> we, do, we do keep reading that kids are struggling a lot in this pandemic, and I am a mother of one, Nellie's the mother of two. Um, I'm frustrated because I think all of us are feeling like our kids are starting to be left behind, and yet you're reading how much of a surge there is in the need for Kids Helpline. Um, What are you hearing on your side of the fence? Well, firstly, uh, I think we need to be acknowledging and really recognising the great capacity our kids have had. This has been an enduring pandemic where I think children and young people have sacrificed a lot and and for many they're going through that grief process and, and For the month of August, for example, we had just over 43,000 direct contacts to Kids Helpline. Um, And that really speaks to the fact that young people have listened to the message about help seeking and they are embracing it. But of course, the challenge is that we are seeing young people who are very distressed and very distressed by the environment around them. We know that not all homes are safe. Um, They're very distressed by the loss, the social loss. And what really is of concern is 
they're reaching the point where they're not confident in a future. They don't actually see hope in the way that we're even talking about a future beyond the pandemic. Oh, Tracy, I mean, you're speaking to me. Like, I think it's interesting, Joe and I were talking before, like my household is a safe household and there are loved children and it's a loving environment and we've got enough food and all those kinds of, you know, basic fundamental things. We've got a yard, we've got dogs. Uh, without going betraying my kids' privacy too much, I will say one of them in particular has been fine up until this sixth lockdown. And it feels like, and I hear this a lot, it feels like it's broken it. You know, it really feels like that sense of, as you said, the, the lack of hope in the future, you know, this will never end, this is how life is going to be, I'll never get back to school, all that kind of stuff. And I've started, I'm going to be honest, I've started to really struggle with that as a parent. Like how much can you contain? Yeah, I, I think it's really difficult to think about mental health when we know that hope is something that is slipping away from people. And it doesn't matter whether you're a child or an adult, what sustains you is those that, that hope, that factor of belief yeah. and that confidence in, in the future and, and often what you're looking forward to, those things that, that we used to take for granted to a large extent. And I think young people want that assurance. They want they want to be to be told the truth and we need to be honest. I do think we need to be really focused on having a much more rounded conversation. Um, if we just look at each and every day, we're bombarded by how many COVID cases and how long the lockdown is. We're not talking about how many people are recovering, how much the vaccination is working, how the strand, what's the roadmap, what's it going to look like? And I think importantly, we're not necessarily talking to children and young people. We're not thinking about them as an audience and they are an audience and they need to have that level of assurance. And when parents and other people in our community, they're going through a lot as well, other people have to start supporting that and, and taking this all in approach here. If we're going to be able to come through this in a way where our young people are ready to step up, step into the opportunities of openness is going to be to afford to us all. So, Tracy, you talk about the conversations we have around our children, and I think about this all the time because my husband loves the news. He brings in headlines into the room, and I'm like, oh, she doesn't need to hear yeah. that. And also how much of what I'm going through am I being honest with her about? What's your advice? I mean, what, what should parents share and what should parents keep back? Is it appropriate for my daughter to know that I might have down days as well, or do you put on a brave face every day. I mean, how honest are we with our children? Can I extend that by just saying, because I think this is exactly the point that a lot of parents are struggling with. You've really hit on it, Joe. Like I, I've had a couple of moments where I've cried in front of the kids mm. and I don't want to cry in front of the, I, I want to be the container and the strong person and all that other stuff. At the other, on the other side, I go, Do, should I be pretending to be okay? Mm. Yeah. No, like what's the tell us tell us what to do <laughs> well all i can say to you is what what kids say to us and, and that is even if the parents aren't telling them they're picking up on it they know you they're your kids they know what what their mum and dad is normally like and even if you're not expressing it the way that you are in your presence with them they intrinsically will be able to pick up on things and there's a degree of not talking about it 
that actually creates even more concern in children. And, and, and they'll ring and talk to our counsellors about the fact, I'm worried about mum and dad. I'm worried yeah. about raising this with mum and dad mm. because I know mum and dad are dealing with a lot. Now, when we talk mm. to parents, they tell us we'd love our kids to feel confident and I'd love the confidence to be able to have those conversations. And so I think at the moment we've got a bit of this duality where parents are trying to protect children and be brave, but children know their parents and they know that potentially that's all a little bit of a show at times and the parents themselves are worried and struggling. So, um, you know, I, I think having these conversations, being real, um, and if the children have got questions, then it's a great opportunity to just take pause and sit down and talk them through together because there can actually be almost a bit of mutuality and feeling better by both people talking about it. And, um, you know, and, and if a parent is, is worrying about their children because you're seeing changes in their behaviour, all the more important to have the conversation with them um, because they may well be trying to protect a parent by not sharing with just what they are feeling because they know what's going on. But parents know their children and if they see these behaviours and those behaviours are changing, the things they took joy from or, you know, yeah. just not sleeping well, not eating well and not wanting to be engaged, they might all be signs that it's time to just absolutely be direct and ask them, where are yeah. you at? Because we are seeing increases of distress. Tracy, why this is, this sounds flippant, but it's a real question. Why do children want to have that conversation when I sit down at nine o'clock for my half an hour of TV? Like, why do you know, we try and have that conversation throughout the day and open feelings and blah, 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 and just sit down to go, okay, it's mum's time, I've got 45 minutes, and that's when it happens. Like, is that a thing? Well, it can also be a nice tactic to almost not want to have really deep conversations because they know that that might be a time that you want to be focused on something else. And, mm. um, you know, sometimes that, that can be a deliberate strategy um, mm -hmm. or other times it's just simply the time that they know that you're taking the space to sit down and be relaxed and therefore, yes. you know, that, that's a space for you. But, we, the, you know, kids are pretty clever at times and so they may well know that, um, you know, mum or dad want to really focus on this so I can get away with just being a little bit flippant about what I want to raise with them. So, you know, I, I think it, it's really just, um, you know, if, if, if it's a really important conversation, then, you know, as much as you might love that nine o'clock time, uh, it might be time to be deliberate and say, right, we're here and let's, you know, what, what can we work through together? Take, and take I think, yeah. yeah, and conversations don't have to be in that deliberate nature. I mean, we... When, um, you know, we do work with parents and, and you know, the hashtag chat starter is, is something that the mm -hmm. National Mental Health Commission is working on and we're part of that, is, is almost those opportunities. If you're driving in the car, kids often share with us that that's a great space, um, you know, mm -hmm. and I know in, in today's environment where a lot of people are in these lockdown conditions, baking and cooking together has become a space where families can have those conversations. It's not quite as confrontational or as challenging is sitting down face to face and really being in that very serious mindset it can make a child be a little bit more relaxed to be doing activities with them yeah i absolutely i love hashtag chat starter because it's all about you know the incidental conversations that can sometimes yeah. you're like 
your little spidey senses are going, oh, my God, this is a really serious disclosure I'm getting right now. (laughs) I need to listen. And it can just be slotted into the most casual thing. Our children are so good at that. Um, Tracy, you gave us some fantastic signals to look out for from our children when we know that they're – to identify that they might be struggling. Um, What are some strategies if we identify that our child isn't coping – do we help them understand that they can call Kids Helpline? Do we call Kids Helpline with them and have a conversation together with them? What are some actual practical steps we can take once we've identified that we're worried for our kids? Yeah, I, I think there are fantastic resources out there. And one of the things as part of the hashtag chat starter campaign is to make those resources available and not just Kids Helplines, Beyond Blues, Headspace, all of these organisations have made some great resources. So they've all been put together on the Head to Health website to make it as easy as possible. And it's a great opportunity if you are looking to have you know some of those difficult conversations around mental health, and even unfortunately, if a child might disclose they've had thoughts of suicide, to sit down together and work through those resources or locate them. Of course, Kids Helpline is here 24-7 for children and parents are the major referral pathway for children. And we are very privileged that parents have that level of trust because all of our counsellors are professional and they can they can really play an important support role. Um, you know, parents at times with children who are consenting of it are involved in those conversations with counsellors because it's it's part of an ongoing support structure that we want to have as a you know for our children and, and parents are very much part of that. So take these opportunities, share these resources together, talk about them, you know, put into place some things you might like to practice together and be deliberate about those those elements. You know, I, I still think it's we're really encouraging people um, as basic as it sounds, good sleep's important, getting exercise is important, being deliberate with family time is important. And even if you put yourself into the space and the child does not engage in that conversation initially, don't give up. It might take a number of times of creating the yeah. space for the child to do it. Don't just put it out there once. If you are truly worried, trust your instincts and keep okay. just making the space available because they'll take the space. It may not be at that first moment. It mightn't even be at the second, but it might be at the third. And, and they're, still um, hearing, they? they're still hearing you. They're still knowing that right. you're up. They, yeah. That's right. They still know that you are there. And, and, and I think, you know, as I said at the beginning, kids are picking up on, on what's happening for families. And yeah. and I think that that openness, that authentic way is, is really important as well, because unfortunately what's not being said at times can also be the things that children really keep inside and and it does create this impact on their well-being so uh, but at the moment uh, you know we are really trying to convey some really important messages that help seeking is positive acknowledging the courage and the resiliency of our children and and young people not seeing these increases in demands as being all negative in fact it's it's a great indication of how capable our children are and understand that we have all a role to play, Kids Helpline and and others in our ecosystem to support families and and recognise that, you know, I know that it's used a lot, the term we're in this together, well, we do have to be in this together. And and I think as parents, they need support and, and, and to not feel that they have to be everything all the time to every single person 
because self-care is so important if, if for children to get good care. Mm. Mm. Can I ask a really quick resourcing question? Um, because I have a personal connection to a really good friend of mine whose son has been struggling with mental health issues. And frankly, she's done all the right things. He's got the numbers. He knows who to call if she's at work, all the rest of it. She, and this is by no means a criticism. It's a question of resourcing. He called Kids Helpline and was on hold for, I think, nearly 50 minutes and gave up. And I'm wondering, that means I'm assuming that you haven't got enough money to meet the demand that you're currently experiencing. Oh, look, I think, you know, and firstly, I, I, you know, I do want to acknowledge that there are wait times at times for young people. It, it depends on the time of day. It depends on what's going on. It's an unfortunate reality that we can map demand for Kids Helpline around lockdowns now. So, you know, in, in some of the earlier months of the year, if we look at February when perhaps we were living in a world where we thought we were going to come through the pandemic a little bit more easily, we were averaging 32,000 contacts in that month. Now we're up to 43,000. So, um, you know, we, we increased our councillor numbers by 100. But you're quite right. At times, the wait time can be that long. Um, we are working hard to continue to raise and generate our income and we put that income straight into more resources. More councillors started yesterday. We're recruiting again now. We, we try and convey to young people that sometimes there is a wait and that means our councillors are working with other young people just like them who, and please don't give up. I, I know being on hold is hard. Please don't give up because we are 24-7 and we will get to you. And, um, and I know that, you know, we have multiple channels for young people. So I, I do want to acknowledge, I know that when you are in that moment, 50 minutes, an hour, it's a long time. Um, and we do need, and we are constantly looking at how we can increase our resources. And please be assured that that's not a criticism from me oh, no. or from his, it's just an acknowledgement of kind of, well, what do you say to that kid then? You know, do we hold on? Do we try another line? Do we call back in an hour? Do we, you know, what's the advice? Because I was just so proud of him that he called. It's fantastic. And, and my, yeah, my initial advice is please stay on hold. Please, please don't give up on that. We will, the counsellors will get, they will get to you and they can be there for you. And then mm. when young people, um, one of the things with Kids Helpline is because we have a professional staff, young people can connect back to the same counsellor. So they can actually establish that, that relationship that's built on trust and knowledge. And then once you've had that one connection, if it's really worked, then they can ask for that counsellor and they can find out when that counsellor might be on. So, you know, these are all things that the service does offer. But it is an unfortunate reality that resources are... are you know, we struggled in that space. Um, it's not a criticism. I certainly don't see it as a criticism. It's just a reality. And, um, you know, we're doing what we can to to, to keep our, our profile up there so that uh, we're in the hearts and minds of decision makers around funding yeah. and working with, with state government, federal governments and, and corporates to, to help us in this space of, of meeting the demand. And I so think we'll be writing to our local PMs, our, our local MPs, won't we? Yeah, absolutely. I was just saying that, Nelly. I think that as parents, that's also one of our roles is to um, constantly advocate for organisations like Kids Helpline and, and demand better resourcing from our from our governments. That's that's one of the roles we have to do. So many as parents, I really love this notion of celebrating 
help seeking. It's such yes. a such an important thing and I don't think that's been spoken about enough. So you're right. Our kids are courageous. They are resilient. And um, with our help, I think the help seeking is such a wonderful thing to really encourage. Um, and also you've reminded me, I think, Tracy, about role modelling um, or uh, acknowledging our feelings with our kids. Yeah. I mean, we have to teach them the language to talk about their feelings by yeah. talking about our own feelings. Yeah, we don't want them that, to pretend. No, no, that that, that great, that be authentic, be real, and mm. um, you know, and, and kids see that they have wonderful detectors about when things aren't real, and um, and you know, and I think that's that's right, and. You know, I, I think that as a society, if we can all replicate that the resiliency and courage of our kids, then we, we are going to go forward really strongly. And, you know, I do sometimes get challenged by when I hear statements like, what's wrong with kids today? Mm. It actually makes me angry because I see so oh, much in our young people yeah. that, that yeah. needs to be celebrated. Yeah. And why shouldn't kids get help when they're being in situations where it's not mm -hmm. safe? That is strength. That's not what's yeah. wrong with our kids today. So. Oh, can I thank provide, you. It's so beautiful. Can I provide a little bit of hope? And again, I'm trying to manage privacy here, but one of my kids has a long-term illness and missed about 18 months of school. It took, and, you know, she's bright, but she's not like a Mensa scholar. It took about a couple of months for her to bounce back. You know, I think when we hear about how much time kids have missed from school and social and so on. Like, it is remarkable how resilient they are. You know, they will catch up. They'll catch up at different rates, but they will catch up. I really believe that. Yeah, and I think one of the, the things at the moment that, that we worry about is that they feel that they may not, and we have yeah. to keep allowing them to know that that they will and they can be those spaces because unfortunately exams are still happening we're moving mm. into exam time you know those stresses are there every year this year they're just amplified because there's a lot yeah. of people take on a lot of pressure whether it's real yeah. or not and you just have to find our way to help them through that that's right um tracy thank you so much for joining us we yeah. really are grateful to kids helpline for the incredible work that you do i wish there was so much more money out there for you but uh yeah that's up to us to pressure our governments for that yeah. uh in the meantime we want to say thank you to all of the people on the phones because it's critical yes. work that they're doing so yeah. thank you so much thank you and, and thanks for the for the great interest and, and i will certainly pass on the on the key messages that the team here are wonderful um, you know, I, I celebrate them all the time. We're very fortunate, but I always love to share with them the feedback because it, it's pretty tough at times mm. and it's nice to have that level of value that people really do see in their work. Yes. Yeah, so oh, they're saving lives. I mean, yeah. people say that all the time, but they actually are. Yeah, that's I right. Think, yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't respect them more. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tracy. You have a great day. I really appreciate you giving your time to Broad Radio today. Thank you Thanks, very much. Tracy. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's it, Nelly. We've gone nine what minutes over. What a show, though. Oh I came into this show feeling like shit. And now I feel great. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. That's all yeah, I like wanted. It's this is what you've created, girl. This is what you have created. Well, I feel like I can face this day now, honestly. 
Well, honestly, if no one was listening, even though I know people were, and thank you to everybody who's been commenting and listening, but even if no one was and it was just literally you and me with some very special (laughs) friends that we'd organised as some kind of like we'd set up sort of like a radio, sort of faux radio show, a ruse to get conversations (laughs) with three incredible women, (laughs) even if that was the case and it made you feel better, then that's my day done. I'm very happy. Thank you so much, and I, I hope that that's the case for the listeners as well. Because I do, I do that. I still have hope. I really oh. do still have hope in the midst of all of this. Yeah, we 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 will come out of it. We will. Oh, hundred percent, we'll come out of it. And uh, yeah. you and I will get together and have a glorious afternoon of gin and tonics and be messy and mad. I will hug <laughs> the shit out of you. <laughs> I can't wait. Double uh, back. Double vaxxed, you bet. Um, you have a fantastic day. I love you, darling, and I hope that uh, you keep your chin up. We'll get no, there. I'm good. I'm all good. Bye, all right. everyone. Take care. Bye. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.